Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Dimensional Meditation Podcast. This week we connect with special musical guest Jacob Witty, aka Jay Witty. Jacob is a musician, music producer and visual artist living and working in Barcelona, Spain. In this episode we unpack his psychedelic musical journey curating sounds and samples, flow state and inspiration through psychedelics and collaboration, and the rising popularity of ecstatic dance. Since the start of COVID, Jay Witty has just finished a mind-blowing 27 tracks, and we are so grateful that he has put together a 20-minute ecstatic dance meditation set available in the next podcast episode. This visual piece is best experienced with your best headphones barefoot on your feet as a flow movement ecstatic dance experience. We have linked his work in the show notes. Please support this amazing artist by following him on social media or you can purchase his music on Bandcamp. And as always, if you have any queries, please get in touch with us at Dimensional Meditation Podcast on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, this whole COVID thing is a bit strange because I don't look at any news media and I really haven't in I don't know how many years uh, since 2007. I haven't owned a television. I don't really read news on the Internet, but I get the sense through when I was still using social media and looking at friends posts and listening to listening to what my parents are saying that it's kind of bad over there that they're cracking down on people a lot in New England. And um, just like here in Spain, most stores of certain sizes are closed. Restaurants or bars of certain types or sizes are closed. And generally, people are wearing masks and staying in their houses. But, of course, there are plenty of people that don't. I get the sense that things are a lot more serious or at least media hyped there in Spain. While we have a 10 p.m. curfew and now all of the stores have to be closed by nine. So they've effectively made our curfew nine because we have nothing to do and nowhere to go outside. It it feels like everyday life here. Just everything is closed and people are wearing masks and people are afraid of each other to some extent, but not really. Because if you go into the park, as I did last night, there are groups of people sitting together everywhere and anywhere from two to 10 people very close having a picnic and drinking and smoking and sharing things and hugging. And there, there are ecstatic dances and contact dance jams that are happening indoors and contact dances very specifically a bunch of hot, sweaty people breathing heavily all over each other. This awesome. is normal. <laughs> I mean, hot and sweaty only because they're keeping all the windows and doors closed so that nobody hears them and says, hey, it sounds like there's a party or a dance class or something happening or we can see in the windows and somebody calls the cops because uh, Catalan people as a culture, 
as a big generalization, seem to just dislike any amount of party or noise. So if there is party or noise or other people having more fun and they're not invited, you bet your ass the cops are getting called on you. <laughs> is that was it like that though pre-COVID? Were the were the Catalan people always that way? Yes, this is the this is the this is the culture here, which I was very surprised about. I moved here to be with the Burning Man community and a bunch of friends that I know here. And it turns out that I was expecting to find a pre and post Ibiza culture here of house music and chill out lounges and pe or people that would be interested in that in the very least where I can play my music and do live sets and jam with other people and invite two or three or four musicians to just come up and turn every three minute song into a 10 minute jam. And then you have a whole hour set and everybody's barely even broken a sweat because we're all taking turns and it stretches out this music that's also really chill so it can be focused on and danced to or just used as background ambience creating the vibe of the space that we're in and none of that exists not only does it not exist but renting even crappy restaurant like floor spaces they have a big dance floor uh mm. maybe you can fit 40 people there it's something like 600 euros for a night and who wow. has that kind of money? And then you have to up the prices of tickets and hope that a bunch of people come and that they're paying for drinks. And the paying for drinks, like them buying drinks at the bar isn't helping you to pay that 600 euros. That's apart from the 600 euros that you have to pay this, this place. With your own sound system that you have to bring and it has to be under a certain volume and there can't be too many people so it's really difficult to have events here in Barcelona and to create any kind of music scene. So, yeah, long story short, moved to Barcelona because the rave scene in Madrid is epic. The music scene there is epic, but there's no space for chill out music at all. Nobody's interested in it. It's either house, techno or psytrance or hard tech and as loud as possible and the faster, the better in terms of the rave scene. The music doesn't even need to be good. It just needs to be halfway decent and fast and loud. They're like, louder is better. This this illusion that the human ear has that we need to avoid as producers and DJs. But in Madrid, it's just, no. Do you actually find that that's influenced the way that you actually make music at the moment? I don't really think about it too much. The the loud the loudness wars? No, because I'm participating in it by mastering all of my music to between negative seven and negative nine uh, RMS, whatever that is. The the relative overall volume of the of the track, and I'm mm. trying in some way to compete with all of this EDM music and other chill out music with huge subs and big thumpy kicks. And, and I try to achieve that as best I can, but also realize that I don't either have the professional knowledge or maybe even just equipment to properly compress all of my music to that level. And that's fine. It's loud enough. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to though. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. I think the, uh, the way that you produce and the levels that you bring out are perfect as they are. Um, yeah, especially with psychedelic music. Yeah. Um, I think it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And there is a space for it at the moment. I think it's 
quite exciting where psychedelic music is going uh, with the genre and um, I don't. I think you should just keep going at it because <laughs> what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I, I can sweet. hear those heavy those heavy bass and drum tones in your tracks though as well. You've got this really cool balance between sort of uh, that bass, those uh, those heavy drums, but then also this beautiful ethno element as well. Mm. So, yeah, that brings me into the question. Uh, so, where how do you sort of choose? your beautiful ethnic tones, where do you get them from? Uh, what influences you to choose specific instruments when you're making that sort of music? Even plugins, like what would you choose as a plugin? Or do you actually use um, some sound healing tools in your music? I don't actually have any physical instruments besides an electric bass, which I according to my friends and past girlfriends that have lived through me producing music constantly, <laughs> everybody says, why don't you play bass in your music? And I find that the music that I'm making, it just doesn't fit very well. Or mm -hmm. more than that, it's that I don't have good recording equipment. When I plug my bass straight into my sound card or I put it through, I have a Rupert Neve uh, DI box, it still just mm -hmm. sounds thin and tinny twangy it doesn't sound full and i'm thinking i'm going to need a decent microphone or to use the sure sm58 i have and microphone mm -hmm. mic uh, an amp stack someday in the future when i have money for something like that and perhaps then i will get the tone and the warmth in the body that i want in my bass recordings but i agree i, th I think as well you can get so much in your computer box now <laughs> um, yeah. that you often, it's, it's actually harder to record something live uh, when you can get something, when you can make something sound so good straight from the box. Yeah, I do find that samples is nice. Yeah. So what sort of uh, plugins and um, where do you, like, where do you source your samples? Is there, is, do you have a go-to? I do. I've been using Splice Sounds for about two years now. In the beginning, when I was paying for the biggest pack that they had because I had the money and it didn't really matter to me, and it's still a, an amazing deal. Each tier that they have for the pricing and, and the number of samples that you get, depending on how prolific and how often you are producing, they're all great. Some might be too much for some people. But I had 300 sounds a month, so I would just go through packs and listen to everything I would look for, lots of tops percussions. Anything mm. that is shuffly, bouncy, uh, shaker type of stuff. Uh, I also like, I like noise that has tone to it. I'm really into industrial IDM noise and Foley being used in interesting ways. I really like, mm strings instruments being a strings instrument player myself so i'll take all sorts of turkish and arabic balkan strings and uh, indian stringed instruments anything from china korea or any of the southeast pacific islands japan all of these both s plucked strings but also mm. dulcimer uh, hammer struck string instruments and just try to find samples that move me. And I have this little USB stick that I plug in with all of my Ableton samples and 
libraries for my VSTs on it so that I can take them anywhere and work on anybody's computer. And I probably don't use 60% of the samples that I have, but I buy things that move me, that put me in some kind of emotional space saying, maybe not right now, but someday, <laughs> judging from the quality of this sample, I know that I will use this or I will chop it up or put it through the Ableton warp engine on beat mode and or texture mode and completely mangle it or turn it into some kind of percussive noise or put it through granulator to the max for live device and make some kind of ambient pad or texture through that. And I'd say there are some packs that I've used. Maybe I have 30 or 40 samples from them and I've used five or six or maybe 10 and some packs that I haven't really used at all yet because I'm not making the specific type of music that they would fit best into. But I also stopped buying sounds and I've just go gone through everything that I have and I'm trying to make music with what I have. And as far as VSTs go, I have this APC, the, the Ample Sound Cloud Drum that I played for you before and mm. Chromophone 2, but I haven't used this as much recently. I've been mostly using that, that, that cloud drum. I use Massive to create my Future Garage two-step Hoover bass. I'm using yep. Mr. Bill's uh, operator for my subs. He's done a few different mm. tutorials and uh, master classes on, that he put on YouTube, and I've copied what he's doing with his subs over the past few years until he's arrived at this one patch that he has with just an operator that he says is epic and it's the best sub for any system or, or genre. And besides mm. that, in terms of in terms of VSTs, I really only use one thing that I always go back to and it's UVI Falcon, but you don't need that plugin to use their sound libraries. You can use their free player. I'm just not sure what kind of control you have over the sounds using it. So their mm. world library has all sorts of things in it. If I open it up right now, it's just so that I can rattle off a few of the names of instruments or you can sort by region, you can sort by the type of instrument. So in region, there's Africa, Asia, Australia, Celtic, Eastern European, India, Indonesia, Middle East, Occidental, South America, Spanish, Gypsy, and West Indies. And there are wow. bell metal gong, fretted strings, keys, percussion, stringed, woodwinds, and they have loops and phrases in them as well. So it's kind of like opening a TR-808, but there are a bunch of there are five or six, maybe up to eight, depending on the type of instrument or the region that you choose. Some regions mm -hmm. have more than others. There will be eight different tracks that you can change the loop or the sample that's being played on each channel and tweak all sorts of settings on each of those. And you basically have a world instrument 808. So I use that massively. So it's really a process of curating sounds yes i'm a reactionary artist interesting okay so i suppose that brings me to my next my next question which is do you do you have a process where when you're making music to bring you into a sort of flow state you know what's sort of that process leading up to making a track is it something that you just dive straight into or you know 
do you, you know, what, you know. Yeah, do you feel it? Do yeah, you taste often. it? Do you touch it? <laughs> Are you inspired oh. by something? Or... Do you drink in the yeah. studio? <laughs> I don't actually drink in the studio. I don't know if I've actually ever made music while drinking. Maybe I've had a cup of wine once or twice just because it's so common here. But generally my mm. process is I'm listening to crazy neurofunk from Belaine on Spotify or going through different youtube channels listening to other people playing with some arturia synth and i just feel inspired to go and make music myself but i know that upon entering live i'm not going to make anything that's anywhere near what i was listening to that's never really the mm. case unless i happen to yeah. be listening to chill out music or something like burial or sorrow or club root these more future garage two-step dark heavy melancholic artists then perhaps in that case i might be inspired to say oh i really liked this percussion rhythm they were using here or that's a really interesting way that they only have the sub bass being filtered in on the two or the two and and it kind of filters out again it's not a constant drone for every whole note which is what i've been doing lately and what i'd like to go back into my music and and take out. I'd like to just have the bass come in every now and then, uh, kind of swirling in, maybe even panning a little bit um, within the center of the stereo, stereo spectrum. But I'd say that I don't really have any kind of meditative process or a way to get into a flow state. I just love music and I'm so inspired by all of it constantly. It's what I attach to all of my memories, to places, to video games, to movies that I just eat, sleep and breathe and am music constantly. And I'd say that it's beyond just a hobby or a love or, or a passion. It is how I function as a being is through sound and music. So well, I think that's a, that's a flow state as it is just going through that of, whole process yeah. of, yeah, and I think it's interesting because I know you do all of your own artwork as well. So does your artwork ever inspire the sound or does the sound inspire the artwork? I'd say that there isn't much of a either or inspiration. It's more that I'll put on music and not necessarily even my own music. I'll be listening to mm. other artists' music while I'm creating art and I'll notice sometimes that if I'm listening to Sibiant or Sybase or I'm listening to something more chill out or I'm listening to drum and bass mm -hmm. and neurofunk or if I'm listening to house music and progressive house that my art will be slightly different. But the art is also largely controlled by what image I chose to start with and my artistic process, which is always the same. So the art is always generally going to look like mandala, concentric circles, kaleidoscopic, mirror images sort of art, which is the plateau mm. that I've hit right now with my artwork. Not to say that I dislike it, but I don't know where it will go next. So do you, were you, are you a trained artist? Did you study or how, how did that come about? Did the artwork, have you, have you always sort of dabbled in the art side as well? The art happened because of music, actually. I was wow. yeah. listening to Tame Impala because somebody mentioned, oh, listen to this band, you'll really like them, or it was suggested somewhere. And I was really moved 
by how much they sound like the Beatles if the Beatles started in the 2000s. Mm. And their artwork is made by this guy that I'm going to totally um, butcher his name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leif uh, Pahashki. I, I don't okay. know. It says he's an Australian graphic designer and art director, well known for his distinctive album art, working with Tame Impala, Bonobo, Foles, Kylie Minogue of Monsters and Men, Licky Lee, etc., etc., etc. Um, if mm. you look at Tame Impala's album, their their most popular, oh, that I'm aware of, unless their new ones are more popular, Inner Speaker. It's it's this picture of a view from on top of a mountain over a valley, but he's kind of taken a, a circle selection of this image in Photoshop and mm -hmm. he's made a copy of it and then decided to make it, I don't know, let's say 75% smaller and then copy that and make it 75% smaller so that you have this tunnel vision vanishing point straight ahead of you yeah. in the center of the image that's copying just parts of the cloud and parts of the trees and this perplexed me because I started using Photoshop in 2013 when I was a freshman in high school because I had a computer class where we were basically learning how to plan a vacation and price it out and find all the links and put everything into Excel sheets and use the internet and my parents are software engineers so I was doing I was playing Doom over the internet with my dad and his coworkers when I was four and <laughs> messing around with computers and taking apart televisions. So this sort of stuff was boring to me. And I asked my teacher, what can I do instead? And I found Photoshop. Mm. So he started giving me tips on how to use Photoshop and I just fell into it from there. So fast mm. forward 10 years, I see Tame Impala and I thought, how do I make this art? This guy's art is really, really cool. It looks like I can see the outer, the the edge of the trees and the edge of the clouds from the top and the trees below, and they're kind of repeating into the middle, and it's a circle shape. Maybe he made a circle and then made it smaller. So as I started trying to copy his style, I accidentally stumbled upon how he makes his art. But I still haven't mm. been able to figure out, if you look at the image, you can see just the very edge of the, the branches and leaves of the trees. Uh, that are on the left and right outer edge of that album art. I've never been able to get something exactly like that, and I thought maybe he's erasing part of the the mm. copied concentric circles. It's kind of like it, th that sort of reminds me of the process of when you're trying to recreate a sound that you hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you're inspired by something. Because I, I don't know if you do this, but often we'll use a reference track. Um, and it never sounds anything like the reference track by the time we finish a track. But that sounds like a sort of similar process with what you're doing with the art as well. Hmm. Yeah. I've never used reference tracks either for mixing, mastering, or for trying to listen to mm. something while I'm creating. Like I said, I'll hear something and I'll just jump into live and start creating or with... With this art process, I was trying to recreate his art and didn't look at his art again for a couple of years until somebody mentioned, oh, hey, th is this art from that guy that did art for Tame Impala? And I said, no, that's me. 
And then I realized that I had made some images, not his album, not from his album art set, but just his general art. Some of his images mm. look like I made them. If I put my art side by side with his, you can't tell that it wasn't mine or that mine isn't his. And that was my aha moment when I realized that I had found his process for making art. And mm. mine has you just reverse engineered it. <laughs> yeah, but by completely by accident, I was just messing around and making shapes and selecting a circle or a square area and making it spin around and get bigger or smaller and um, maybe putting a circle at northeast, southwest, making all of those circles one layer, selecting all of them and hiding the layer and then whatever image of nature I have underneath that, uh, I would hit this action button I made macros so that I just have to hit one button and it will instantly copy that whole entire layer make it 85% smaller and spin it 30 degrees and then change the colors by x amount and then flip it horizontally and I would just hit this over and over and over again until it would make a big visual mess and just decide uh, do I like this or do I like that and kind of a b everything that I make at the moment where are you at right now with performing or working like how are you sort of living your lifestyle in Spain is it feasible to tour at all or I have performed my own music as a live set where I was mm -hmm. half DJing parts of the tracks and playing a synth with my Ableton push or playing bass over it or both at the same time or back and mm -hmm. forth rather twice ever mm. once in 2012 and another time in 2018 when I first moved to Barcelona cool do you see yourself going down that way the sort of like live performance way that's what I would like and I finally met this French girl that's a singer songwriter and has a gorgeous voice her songs structure and her chord progressions and the tonality of her music and her harmonies are really interesting and the lyrics are really nice as well so we started writing music together I'm writing all of the instrumentation and the beats and everything and she's reacting to that and writing lyrics that emotionally fit the mood of the music and mm. because we're both musicians I've been playing bass since I was 13 I studied music and music production and sound engineering we're going to try to have some kind of sit down. Maybe you can stand up and dance if you want, but a chill out concert vibe where we just want to perform the songs that we have live. She'll sing her parts live. Maybe I'll have some of the tracks that are more heavily affected or some backing harmonies behind her for mm. each section, but leave it open to where she can sing and jam with vocal melisma and I can play bass or play a synth on the push and then segue through live in session view onto the next scene, the next track. Yeah. And I'm yeah. already using live to DJ when I just do straight DJ sets. Uh, so mm -hmm. it would be a very, very easy way to transition from doing a normal DJ set to actually performing my own music, just chopping up sections that I want. I find that the difficult part for me when I was trying to plan this the first few times was that I'm not performing my music to record it anymore. So I feel like I'm mm. kind of in this 
mathematician numerologist as uh, when I start getting <laughs> obsessed with certain numbers, I, I'm no longer a mathematician. I'm just a numerologist. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm getting away from being a musician and I've become a music producer yeah. and that I have these risers and effects and these samples in my music that I can't play the samples because I don't have the synthesizer or the instrument that came from them to have the same tone and have the pitch play correctly to be able to perform most parts of my music. So I have to decide what do I want to do to make this an interesting live set because I find just watching a DJ turn knobs extremely boring and I constantly Mm -hmm. critique people that spin knobs and then throw their arm up into the air as if they did some big magic action while they're DJing that greatly (laughs) affected the music. And it drives me absolutely insane because if you're actually standing there listening to the music intently, absolutely nothing has changed. And they probably just put the, the highs up one decibel Mm -hmm. or two decibels or something with, with the EQ. And it didn't actually make any noticeable difference even to the four chin scratchers, myself included, all of us twats in the back scratching our chin and judging this guy. Um, (laughs) So I I put myself in that chin scratcher position and judge myself and say, what do I need to do to make myself interesting for myself? I want to see me playing an instrument, playing melodies, jamming, improvising, Uh, making Mm -hmm. human errors and mistakes and laughing through them and then going with them and starting to insist on that. Let's say you're playing a piano. All the black notes are out of key. They're not in A minor. So I hit one of those black notes and then I insist upon it so much so that it actually starts to sound correct, but not so much so that when I resolve back to a white note that it isn't extremely Mm -hmm. pleasing to the audience and that dissonance catches their attention and makes the audience focus even if it's just for a moment like two or three seconds yeah. in the music which is actually quite a long time if you think about it but you get their attention and have them refocus and it, and it creates the natural tension that i think psychologically we need as beings to be happy mm. like the agents say in the matrix when they've yeah. created earlier versions of the matrix that were paradises and nightmares and the human mind rejected both of them. They needed a perfect balance of suffering and happy happiness. And I, I think I try to look for that balance of tension in my music and art. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Mm. I think that that's um, how we sometimes perform as well. When we're live on stage, we get it something wrong and we, at first we're kicking ourselves, but now it's like, Oh, well just keep going and, I think that's a part of the journey of when you are performing live. But I do believe that, you know, I can see that the actual industry is changing and people are bringing like those one or two live elements into their set and it's really nice to see because like I remember watching Closey at one of the Bushdoof festivals. We yeah, Bushdoofs. <laughs> we have a lot of them around here, and this is before she really blew up. Uh, uh, she had like just a simple uh, drum pad machine, and she was just drumming. And the way the audience actually reacted to that was beautiful, and people were just loving it because it was just that additional like live element, f- like with the mixing process that just made it so much more enjoyable to watch. I think it brought the crowd together as well. Yeah. Um, you're just moving beyond just the DJ space. I think 
people want to see that as well. People want to see the live elements now. We have so much technology available now to do it. There's no excuse, I think. Oh, but it's an expense at the end of the day as well. Yeah. It, it's actually quite an expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah. And that's not even touching modular. I know. No and look, you're saving all your pennies like for in from your next pay and you somehow end up buying something new and you're like, I don't know how I afforded that. <laughs> It's just that I can't go out for like the next maybe four weeks or something and I'm just going to eat two-minute noodle soup every day. <laughs> That's an over and exaggeration I don't even remember it. Well. I think the last time that I bought something new was during quarantine here. I got an APC40 MK2 to replace my launch pad um, XL. Mm. Or no, it was the launch control XL because one of the faders was just sending... CC83 super rapid fire constantly and it made mapping anything in live an absolute terror. So I said, I need something to replace this controller and I don't want to buy another one of these. I'd like to, I was looking mm. at the APC40 for years and thinking I'd like to use that both for DJing, but also for doing live sets with my own mm -hmm. music because now I can see all the different colored clips in the little rubberized buttons on the grid of this uh, VAPC. So now I can see visually what I need to be doing without having to look at the computer, which is great. And That's I also cool. get more yeah. DJ control with a crossfader. The crossfader on it was a big thing that it's just integrated and I don't have to custom map anything. Yeah, sometimes I think as well it's better to have less equipment. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes mm. it's a bit overwhelming when you get addicted to buying synths and all of these you know, plugins. And um, so I liked how you were saying earlier that, you know, the process was say, for example, just using splice and curating your sounds yeah, um, and just using one library, because I think it can get overwhelming <laughs> if you start to tinker with too many things and too many sounds. And, um, and I think that's when we can all get a little bit lost with music. I just, I just wanted to ask you as well. So with the meditation set that you've made for us, which is absolutely phenomenal, <laughs> where do you like, uh, is this all music that you've made over the last year or the last two years? Like how no, long like have you had it in your catalog? <laughs> oh, the last oh, month. what? Wow. So all how of many that music in that SoundCloud playlist that I sent to you yep. to this New Ideas, mm -hmm. it used to be New Ideas 2020, now I think it's 2021 on the name. I, I have created, I'd say if there's 26 or 27 in there now, only two or wow. three of them, I think three, are from before COVID hit everybody uh, or oh, during gosh. quarantine. Most of that is from, I'd say, July, August earliest, but mostly September, October. Wow, like you make most of it. Yeah, you make a lot of music. Are you producing every day? No, not even. This is just wow. what I mean when I was saying earlier. People are getting on me that I'm not including my bass in my music, and I'm constantly sharing what I'm creating with people. I'd say that I'm a very prolific writer, and I don't even feel extremely inspired per se. Um, I. Mm. I was, I was, for example, I was with a friend last year, um, t it was 2019 rather, in about May. Yeah, I want to say that it was May. 
and a friend of ours got a hit of LSD and a pill mailed to him through the deep web. And we didn't know (laughs) that it was a tester for him or a gift or something. Yeah. And we thought, oh, well, we were already ordering other things anyways. And well, let's just let's just try it. Look, we got a free gift and it was mailed to our house. So it must not be for our friend Pierogi. So (laughs) (laughs) that one hit of LSD was not only a lot stronger than anything that I've taken in the past decade, maybe, but I was so creatively inspired after the fact. Maybe I, I used to say when I was younger, if I take a psychedelic, maybe a week or two later, I'll feel really inspired and it might last for two or three months. This one was six mm. or seven months where I was making a new EP or like four to seven song EP album, whatever you want to call them, every single month from wow. June until October, November, I think November. I had something well produced, clean fully mixed and mastered every single month, some of them collaborating with singers, some of them not. And I think that I've, because I haven't taken anything since then, maybe once since then, Mm -hmm. now I'm in that position again where I'm creating music constantly and I don't feel this kind of soft glow in the back of my mind, creative boost or, or push that I did after taking LSD that time. So I don't really know where it's coming from per se. Is it the Mm. struggle that I'm going through financially, emotionally in my life here in Spain and surviving here post COVID? Is it just that I'm finding some fucking dope samples on splice that really (laughs) inspire me and I can't not make this like sitar glitch hop like neuro glitch hop sitar banger for lack of a better word uh (laughs) i i just have this this influence in me and uh, like you must know mr bill from sydney Mm -hmm. as a producer so mr bill has been my idol since i found him in 2011 i want to say 2010 2011 And I actually got to study with him in his first round of private lessons that he was doing for a few months until I just couldn't afford it anymore. Or he had stopped. I think he took a break. And then I decided, all right, well, I'd like I'm moving to Barcelona. I need to save money. I can't do this. But everything that I learned from watching all of his videos and uh, studying Mm -hmm. with him on top of this love that I have for other artists like um, Ben Cantil from Zebler and Canty Experience as a close friend of mine and his crazy loud in your face we, we, uh, like playa twerk bass music sound design <laughs> bass music and then everything that mr bill is doing coming from this kind of chip toony doof psytrance into full-on idm bass music and and rhythm that's going on in the states i'm influenced by all of these big in your face syncopated loud noises but used in an interesting textural way with other pretty sounds and ambience and and harmonies around them so Mm. i feel like i hear these sounds and these things in samples and i've been buying every single splice pack that his record label beleagle beats puts out on splice 
And I just go through all of them and find these random sounds and noises and lots of my little clicky, ticky-tacky, ticky-tacky tops percussion to give me this bouncy feel that I want in my two-step future garage sound. But it's all coming from sound design bass music artists. And um, I, I think that I'm just really, really inspired lately by other people's music and the sounds. Basically, I've I've transitioned from being a performing artist because I used to play in open mics and jam nights almost every day of the week in Madrid to and while I was producing on the side at home to just being a producer at home because we're all stuck inside and there's nowhere to go there are no events anymore so I'm just kind of waiting producing with my friend Elise and once we come out of this and we can have small gatherings of 30 to 50 people for concerts that's all I really ever wanted to do, to create mm. a small, tight community, maybe in, in a city like this, maybe f 300, 400 people absolute maximum spread throughout this area that all know mm. about this concert series or this party night that happens once a month and everybody comes, whoever comes out, comes out. And I don't need to be big or famous or blow up or tour. And I, I don't know if I would mm. know how to market myself to tour or if my music really has a space here in Spain or in Europe outside of Berlin or Amsterdam who have really or London who have really big chill out scenes and down tempo scenes. But I'm not about to mm. go and try to live in those places or compete with the artists that are better musicians, better producers, they're, they're from there, they have all the connections and the years of experience. I'd figure, I figured why not try to create it here organically, slowly, and just have concerts and play with other people. Definitely. It's, a, it's about building that collective community, mm. I think. I'd prefer that every day of the week than being famous, having a community here mm. where you can jam with people every week and just play music for the love of it. Just need to build a little music cult <laughs> yeah. over there. Yeah. Hey, kid, you want some music? <laughs> uh, also, yeah, I'd love to know as well. Are you when you are producing? Do mm -hmm. you feel that you're channeling anything? You know, what sort of headspace are you in? Let's get woo. Let's get woo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm channeling anything or if something is channeling itself through me and I'm completely mm. unaware and just being it's uh I don't know this delivery like a vessel almost vessel <laughs> yes that's the word that I was looking for um if I am whoever you are up there please continue it's lovely <laughs> stay as long as you like I don't know if you've ever had that experience though where you've made something and the next day you wake up and you go back to listen to it and you go, I have no idea how I made that. <laughs> no, that I don't. Often... I think maybe in, oh, really? in that sense, <laughs> maybe mm. I'm a bit more boring or... Uh, no, what earth you Earthly in that. Boring. <laughs> I, I, I'm very, very conscious and meticulous about what sounds I'm choosing and what they, what emotion mm. they elicit mm. from me. And I think if I'm channeling anything, yeah, I, I guess I could answer this in this way. I might be making a music. Um, I'm making a music. I'm making a song. <laughs> that, <laughs> do you make musics? So, 
Hopefully. I might be making a song that m gives me this sense that I'm in a forest and there's a little trickling stream and there's kind of tall, healthy mm -hmm. grass. There have been no humans here for at least 100 years. Uh, there are, yeah. but maybe there's this old temple there. Maybe very, very small, the size of like a catacomb tomb in a in mm. a cemetery, and it's just covered with vines and moss and these big like lush flowers, things that you might see uh, like lotus flowers or lily mm -hmm. pad type of flowers, just all over it. This place is untouched. I think your music is really visual. That was I, very I meditative like it, it as well. Go, you go on a visual journey. I think it's, that's what's so beautiful about it. Exactly. Mm. That's what that's what I want. This is how mm. I think of my music and how I experience music is that certain songs, I'd say less so more synthetic music, things like prog house and, and techno and drum and bass. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and your full-on fast psytrance stuff, I would say it's more Sibian, chill-out, down-tempo, soul, uh, anything in the trip-hop and future garage and two-step sort of genres, this more melancholy or soulful, uh, slower music. Mm -hmm. It elicits imagery in my mind, and I, I channel that. So one song might mm. be showing me this kind of mix between eastern and western temple and dojo in a forest or on a mountain and then i find a sample that maybe chant that, that gave me that idea and then i try to find every other sample that i can or use this uh falcon plugin with uvi's world suite to find instruments mm. that match the sample maybe the sample is a pipa from china so i have six different kinds of pipas in this plugin library that I can use. I'll go and try mm. to find one that fits best with the sample that I have. And while not crowding the mix by having sound constantly happening, have it like a call and response between my pipa and the sample, try to complement and harmonize with the samples that I have. And if that means that I need to micro edit them to make their tails, the tails on each pluck or chord, yeah. or whatever it is, shorter to give space for the other sounds, both frequency wise yeah. with mixing, but also the physical sounds happening to give them space to speak to each other, then I'll do that. I'd say that I channel whatever place the samples elicit in my mind. And my hope is, like you've said, this just excited the hell out of me. My hope is that <laughs> other people go to that space that I went to, that I painted a picture of it using music well enough that mm -hmm. their minds can imagine, maybe not the exact temple, but a temple. Mm, I was just going to say, I, I definitely went on a journey in the mix that you made for us. Uh, so mine sort of started in an earthly place and moved into this sort of cosmic realm. <laughs> um, it's so visual. I think it's almost cinematic, I would say, as yes. well. Um, and I think that's what's so beautiful about it because you're taken, you're taken beyond the music space and you're, you're just taken through a story, through a journey. And I think that's why we love your music so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I love that's it awesome. as well. Yeah. It felt like very timeline shifting as well for <laughs> yeah. me. Like I was just, you know, I was feeling like etheric. I had energy all around me. It was just 
by the end, I was so relaxed from mm. the dance and the flow at the start. Yeah, it, for me, it, it sort of moved. It sort of sort of moved from the headspace down through to grounding by the end. Mm. I think about three quarters in, it slows down into this beautiful sort of, and that's sort of what it, when it went cosmic. And for it me. just went everywhere. Mm. Yeah, the final track is Pandora's Garden. Uh, everything wow. was at I 138 like <laughs> and it went down mm. to 112 at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love Absolutely the name. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Do you, how I, do you come I, up with your names for your, the names for your tricks? So are they, are they inspired I'm by the visuals in your mind? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this name is, this name sucks. I need another name. I'm going to call this one squid for now because I literally don't have any other word in my head. And I'm just going to think about what this, this music inspires in my mind or where does it bring me? And I'll try to call it that thing later. And, and that specific song I ended up calling a nuclear winter, I think, because it had, Oh, I like that. This, this, this is actually a, a collaboration that I have with a music composing friend for video games here in Barcelona that specifically writes cinematic video game music. And the original album that you wanted to uh, maybe feature here or collaborate on is a very mm. cinematic EP, those two songs. And sadly, I've lost them. I don't have that project file. Maybe it's on my old oh, Mac Mini no. and I can find it again. But ever since that, I've been trying to make more cinematic Future Garage music. And just cinematic, mm. chill out anything. It has to create a scene like it's a background uh, mm -hmm. soundtrack to a film, to the opening scene somewhere, or a transition journey scene. That's kind mm. of where my music fits. It's soundtrack mm. music. I love that. I love um, that. It's not only soundtrack, I would say. I would say it's definitely for dance. We were dancing in the studio. <laughs> Oh, cool. you know, that's Thanks. one of the most important things for us is like does it evoke movement and yeah in, it does for in me different but it ways. doesn't seem that it does with my friends or the people here i just think you haven't found your community yet i think Perhaps. that's what it comes down to i, I think I'm, the community's out there but barcelona isn't where i need to be in the world but i don't know where i need mm. to be that both socially in terms of intellectual and emotional intelligence stimulation i will be happy and that I can legally mm. stay and work is a big one before every before anything so that I'm able to mm -hmm. stay in that place and explore myself in the community around. But yeah, I'm definitely having a community. What about Boom Festival? People have people have told me to to try to get into mm. Boom Festival and a few of my friends have yeah. either played there or know somebody who has and say that Funky Beach, which is almost all house music and tech house and kind of loungy house, is the easiest stage to get in on. But I don't know if my music necessarily all belongs there or not. It's more chill out gardens and that's lots of big name artists. And it's also mm. just once a year. I'd like to be somewhere where I can, like I said, have these weekly or monthly nights where people gather and they're playing music or jamming or there's kind of a curated open mic night sort of thing where every night of the week there's a different artist in some cafe that might be acoustic, might be electric, might be a producer, etc. But that somebody is being mm. the, the MC and hosting and finding local talent. I would love to mm. be that person, but there's just no space mm. for it here in Barcelona yeah. that I have found yet. I've considered going to Australia sometimes, being that so many of my favorite artists come from there, and it seems like 
y'all have a scene for everything. There's some place for everybody <laughs> like you can just everywhere. Come on over to Australia, definitely. <laughs> uh, especially on the east coast, there's such a big um, uh, there's psychedelic a community, community yeah. there, mm. more so than here in West Australia. But there's what Rainbow Serpent uh, Festival, mm. uh, Earth Frequency, just to name a few, which re- hosts you know the music that you play, and yeah, they're they have accessible a as well. Yeah. Uh, rabbits eat lettuce. lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> rabbits eat lettuce. What is this besides that's August? A, that's, that's a that's a festival as well. Oh, um, but I it's go. also but they're all they're all yeah. about community uh, community like mm. building as well. Sort, and we have sort of burning Burning Man, <laughs> yeah, Burning Man type mm. festivals. So. Mm. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I feel like the Burning Man community is where my music could do best because then you have all of the yogis and you have all of the sound bath ceremonial mm-hmm. music people. Yeah, hell yeah. You've got all of the people that are off their tits on everything. And <laughs> I, I, while that seems kind of, after I say it, like I'm putting my music down and saying that only people that are high want to listen to this music, um, it's I kind of don't care at the same time if it's moving people and in this open state, maybe in a way that they wouldn't be sober. But now that they're more relaxed, they're more open minded, whatever has been unlocked in their minds, they realize, oh, shit, I'm in a space station and I'm flying around a bunch of stars and now I'm in a space forest and now I'm in an ancient Chinese village and now I'm in some mm. kind of heavy metal bangra festival in india i I want them to have that journey and and it seems like that's the community where my music belongs and it's where i've done my live sets that i've played here but those are just once a year well you're always you're always welcome (laughs) you are always welcome here in australia you've got some friends now (laughs) (laughs) definitely we have a massive community here um i have to look at doing a collab i think as well (laughs) your music would definitely suit here yeah uh, but in saying that ecstatic dance is you know that is becoming quite a popular sort of Mm. yeah yeah they're happening a lot recently here actually my Mm -hmm. roommate has been going to one every single saturday or sunday for the past two or three months and they're either they're all silent disco everybody has their phone and uh, and a headset and one of the organizers Mm -hmm. or some dj in the community records a one and a half or two hour set and everybody hits play at noon 12 noon on the dot so that people that are in other cities and villages around barcelona or that are arriving late know okay if i just hit play on my phone at this time even though i'm driving or riding a bike i can arrive and plug in my headphones and keep dancing with everyone so that's been going on a lot there are tons (laughs) of them now because people are so sick of being cooped up well, Jay, we want to thank you so much. This has been a fantastic chat and it's been so interesting <laughs> listening to your process. That's really cool. And uh, we can't wait to play this live set that you've made as well. Uh, mm. It is sensational. For me, yep. it feels like reaching a new timeline. Uh, that sounds super woo, but <laughs> I absolutely love it. We've been dancing no, in the I studio for the last two days to it. So... Um, thank you so much again. And how do people find you as well? The best place, I suppose, would be 
on my SoundCloud, which has links to my Instagram for the artwork and my Bandcamp with all of my previous albums and music that may or may not still be on my SoundCloud. I honestly haven't looked, but I think there are a, a <laughs> bunch of EPs that aren't on my SoundCloud for one reason or another. I just mm-hmm. deleted them when I didn't have a pro account or or not. But everything is on my SoundCloud and Bandcamp there, and most of Fantastic. my music is free. If anything costs money. It's between two and four euro maximum. Amazing. And it's, uh, so it's J dot witty, W-H-I-T-T-Y. I don't think there's any dot. Mm, there's no dot. Is there a but dot? There's no nope, dot. Okay. Just space. <laughs> yep. Space. It's just space. <laughs> J space witty. We didn't even ask where you got that name from. But <laughs> yeah. That's a good oh, point. Well, where did yeah, you get I that I tell that story really quickly, actually. Uh, my last name is Wit. It's Welsh. I think it's Mm -hmm. kind of boring, but when I was in my second year of university, I was pledging a co-ed service fraternity, community service and volunteering work and stuff. And I walked into one of the lecture halls where we had our weekly meeting and the current vice president at the time threw his arms wide open from the bottom of the lecture center and went, Jay Witty! And everybody turned around and looked at me and I was like, uh, hi. (laughs) And it just kind (laughs) of stuck then everybody that I was f- close friends with in the fraternity already or people I was pledging with, my close friends just started calling me Witty or Jay Witty all the time. And then I started calling myself that to new people in New York that I was meeting at parties downtown uh, outside of school. And I said, I'm shit at, at naming things and I can't think of a good artist name for myself as a producer or a musician or a band or anything. Jay Witty is mm-hmm. easy, catchy. It's my name. It just works. Why not? It's stuck. That's all that matters. It's (laughs) stuck. I love it. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Jay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been lovely. No problem at all. Anytime. You're invited anytime over as well when you can come in. (laughs) When when Australia decides to be uh, friendly and and host people again, then I'm going to have to make a trip down to Perth and, and see what that's like. I have you friends have in Canberra that I could probably stay with and, and just travel from there and use them as a as a home base for a little while, uh, close family friends. So they've been even trying to get me to, to move to Australia for years. Like, come, you can do a work visa and it's great and the weather's great and people here are nice and, and yeah, come, fuck America. I'm like, yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely come. Uh, we would right. be happy to host you here. <laughs> oh, thank you. Once once all of this bullshit is blown over, we'll we'll talk. But yeah, until then, I like that. <laughs> thanks. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you for hosting me. This has been really, really nice hearing both your process and then speaking about my own has kind of given me this out of body experience of now analyzing my own process mm. and ideas and feelings. It's been great. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again, thanks. Jay. And have uh, it's the afternoon, isn't it? Have a good no, afternoon. <laughs> Have a lovely evening, you too. I'll talk to you later.